0: I hope you have your words today, the word, uh, because today is a teaching on for the love of the word. So a little, a little bit different, but I find myself saying that often. <laughs> but we are going to be thumbing through a bunch of different scriptures today. So you can always use your Bible app. You can always use a Bible that's in front of you, but today I just really want to encourage you to engage the Word if you have it. So Father, I just come before you and I just ask for your direction today, your direction in the teaching, your direction in obeying the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for open hearts and minds to just receive your love of grace and to receive your Word, for you are the Word made flesh from the beginning. Amen? Amen. All right, so to love the Word, we're going we're gonna to open up with Second Kings, chapter 22. We're going to get a little old school here. We're going to read some of the old Bible narratives, and we're going to get into what, what's going on in the, the depths of the Word. Uh, I, this is really about, you know, the importance of the Bible, the importance of the Word of God. You know, um, our society has become so fixated on images. Uh, philosophy, what philosophers would call it, we live in an image-centric society. Okay, Meaning that we grab, even now, most of our information, even our news, from, from an image. Think about you being on Instagram or Facebook. right? There's just an image, just a couple words. But largely speaking, people don't read anymore. A lot of people don't read anymore, Um, particularly to get their news, they see it. And we know, educationally speaking, that there's a difference between seeing things and hearing things, or rather even reading things. When you read something, more of your mind is actually involved, and then therefore you can remember more, Um, not just remember more, uh, but um, you can actually process more. It's not just remembrance, but it's a comprehension of things. As more of your mind is being used. And so we live in an image-centric society uh, that is really built off of uh, sensationalization, right? If I can tantalize your senses, I can pull you in. Right? Just think about this. I mean, we have some high school students here, but most of you are grown-ups. Um, why do you like a certain preacher and how they teach? Why do you like them? Like, why do you like, I really want to listen to so-and-so's Sermon online. Why do you? Uh, is it because of the depth of the Bible that's being displayed? Or is it the way in which they convey the information? Or the energy that they give? The charisma that they have? Now, the Lord uses charisma. The Lord uses energy. Uh, but there's something called like a, the cult of personality. Where people follow people, even in ministries... Because of their personality, their temperament, opposed to what they're actually conveying information wise. And this is a very big deal living in the modern era when we all have these image devices in our back pockets, right? Uh, It's a highly, highly image centric society. Uh, Actually, I was reading years ago a great great book called uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death by a Jewish guy, uh, Neil Postman. Uh, And in the introduction, he was talking about the profound nature of Hebraic thought in the Bible. That the Hebrews were the first people to say, do not have an image of God. It's one of the Ten Commandments. All the other peoples had images of God. What was so profound about this is this. To know your God, you need to read Him. Opposed to going to the statue and just seeing Him. If you go to a statue, an idol, and you see him, you think you know the God. But if you don't, or you're not allowed to have idols and images of God, how do you get to know him? By reading his word. By engaging him at a much deeper level. This is the power of do not have any engraven images of the Lord thy God. Because it forces you not just to see him, it forces you to study him. To see someone is to lust them, or to lust after them. To study them is to be in that relationship. Right? Think about it like in the natural, like lusting after the flesh, lusting after things, opposed to a deep relationship of marriage. Right? Marriage is is a depth of understanding. You're studying one another. You're reading one another's temperament and ideas. It's the complete opposite of just being tantalized in the flesh. So there's a power of, of knowing God by studying His Word. There's a depth to it by not just seeing an image of Him, but seeing the image of His likeness in His Word that forces you to study the depths of His character and who He is. Amen? But I've got to like really preach this because we live in such a society where I'm going to give you a cool picture of mountains. I'm going to drop down the hues a little bit so it's a little soft. I'm going to put like one scripture verse on it, and then you're just going to scroll through it on your social media page. That's the society we live in. You're like, oh, I got the word today. There's a picture of this pastor with a microphone with like a quote. Ah, oh, I got the word today. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? Those of you who are on Instagram and Facebook, you know what I'm saying, right? Jess, Sam, you know what I'm saying, right? All right, that's one heck of an intro. Didn't think I was doing that. Second Kings chapter 22, during the reign of King Josiah. Second Kings chapter 22 we're going to skip around a couple of verses verse 1 Josiah was 8 years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem His mother's name was Jedidah the daughter of Adiah of Boscat and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. This is like one of the, one of what, two kings or three kings or whatever? If, tops? Maybe two, one of two, really. Um, that has that, that did well-pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. You don't get many kings like that. You can ask, uh, you can ask Jamie later of all the, uh, how many kings there were. He's, he's good like that. Verse 8, then Hilkiah, the high priest, is the high priest that is in that position underneath King Josiah's reign. Then Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Japhon the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. This is the high priest, Hilkiah, which many people believe is actually the father of Jeremiah, says that I have found the book of the law. I have found the word of God in the temple. Verse 10. Then Shaphan, the scribe, showed the king, King Josiah, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened when the king heard the word of the book of the law, That he tore his clothes. This is King Josiah at the age of eight. He's growing up. The priests were like, hey, by the way, King, I found the book in the back of the temple. The book, the law, the laws of God. Can you believe it? The wickedness of Israel got so bad that they actually lost the copy of the Bible. And the scrolls, they're just like, whatever. It's like in the back of the temple somewhere in the broom closet. And one priest is like, I have stumbled upon it. And he gives it to the king. And the king's like, read it to me. Can you imagine a leader that's like, I want to sit here and I want you priests just to read the word in one sitting to me. How long is that going to take? Read it to me. And when he's done reading it, or being, it's being read to him, he rips his clothes off of his body in mourning. Why? He hears all the things that we're supposed to be doing with the Lord, and all of his righteous laws, and all of his goodness, and all of his love towards us, and all this kind of stuff that has gone missing, and he tears them in a place of mourning. You get what I'm saying? Then we skip to 2 Kings chapter 23. This is, this is powerful. Now King Josiah sent them, his, his, his kind of leadership team, priests and all, them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great, and he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in the book and all the people took a stand for the covenant. So now after he reads it, he tells the entire nation, we're all going to show up in the capital without microphones, without all that kind of stuff, we're all going to sit there, and he's going to be a priest. And he's going to stand up, and he's going to recite the entire covenant of God. All the books of the Bible that were written by that time, and he's going to recite them to everyone in, in Judah and Jerusalem. So everyone would hear the word of God again because it went missing. I just knew. I don't know if I, being a pastor would have the attention span to sit or stand and listen for the entirety of the Bible. Like that, I mean, that would take, take days. Actually, I think, I think it takes about 40 hours. I remember in college, they did this like Bible reading thing where everyone would show up for an hour and you'd read the Word one hour, one hour, When almost kind of like a house of prayer but a house of reading. And I think it took over, it took about 30 hours to, to get through it. Okay. Um, so that's a long time, all right, all right. Why is Josiah so upset? He rips his clothes, right? He's—he's—it's a statue of mourning. Well, he's upset because Israel, the nation of God, lost the word of God physically. And when they hear it again, they, they hear their purposes. How they're supposed to be a holy priesthood and be a light unto the nations and all this kind of stuff. And obviously they weren't doing that. So I mean, he's 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 in mourning. But another thing I believe uh, Josiah is, is is so upset about is that Israel turns towards sin. We know that in the scriptures. And there's a big reason why they're turning towards sin is because they have lost the word. They literally lost it. They did not read it. And if there's no anchor to understand what you are to do and how to do and how the relationship is, it's very easy to go down whatever path you want. So Josiah has the priest read all of the book publicly to the nation. And so some of the things to learn from this is if if there's no word in your life, If you're not reading the word, which is like low level, if you're not studying the word, uh, it's going to be very difficult to to move on in in real righteous living. Uh, Another reason for the importance that Josiah is compelled with, which I feel compelled to, to come to you, is this. Especially since we're getting ready to go back to school. Education is simply the soul of a society as it passes from one generation to another. If you're not reading the scriptures to yourself, if you're not reading the scriptures to your children, you're not passing on all of that information, and all of that beauty, and all of that anointing to the next generation. And it takes one generation to lose the book. It takes one generation to lose the book. Because if you're a kid that's brought up in a household that hasn't read it but your grandparents did haven't been living righteous living in accordance to the word, you, now by the third generation, you're like, I don't even know it is something. So it's very, very powerful. So what I'm compelling, what I'm compelled about is this. Like King Josiah and Hilkiah the priest, we need to find the word again. You and I have to go back into that broom closet in our temple and get the word out again, wipe the dust off, have a public reading of it. Well, why do we do that? Because it's the word. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I mean, this is the word, man. It cuts through everything. It discerns your own heart. It reveals unto you the truth of the matter. And so let's just uh, take a look at some of uh, the Bible stats here. There are at present 7,909 languages in the world. But there's only 1,521 New Testament translations into those languages. There's only 670 languages that have the complete Bible in their language. What does that mean? Math. 7,909 languages minus the 1,521 New Testament. There are 6,388 language groups of people who cannot read or hear, I would imagine, the very words of the Messiah. 7,990 minus 670. There are 7,239 language groups who have no entirety of the Bible. They may just have the words of Messiah, but they don't have the older covenant. This is, this is a fantastically grotesque amount of people, guys. All of those people who do not have translations of the word into their language, all those people are essentially living in the days of a Josiah. when they have no word. And I just came across these, these stats, and I'm sitting here, how come I'm not tearing my clothes for that? How come I'm not donating to the Bible Society that takes money and translates them into those Languages. How come I'm not compelled? I got the Word. They don't have it. They're like living in the days of Josiah. It's very, very intense. If you think about it, can you imagine? Never hearing or reading the very words of God because there's no translation. I mean, maybe some of those people may know another language, right, that they can go to. But many of them don't. There's no way for them to process the words of the Lord. That's amazing. But, we have the word, right? Six billion copies on planet Earth. Six billion copies. Um, Second place, on like the most copies on planet Earth of a book, uh, is Mao Zedong's Little Red Book, book on communism. Only 820 million. Like, they actually, out of the best-seller lists, they leave the Bible out because it would win every single time. Six billion copies. Uh, there are 168,000 Bibles sold or exchanged every single day just in the United States. Uh, that's 20 million Copies being bought or exchanged in one year. There are 100 million downloads of just one Bible app called Version. I think it's called. 100 million downloads. 100 million people have one Bible app. There's probably like dozens of Bible apps. Only one, this one Bible app, they have it on their phones. Um, and actually... The the, the the website that hosts this can actually tell you there are sixty-six thousand people using their Bible app every second. That's a that's a that's a far cry from being lost in the in the back of the temple, amen? That's a good thing. That's a good thing, right? Yeah. But reading and studying are two different things. We, uh, not me, but the poll, the pollsters have looked at and asked people questions on the phone and all that kind of stuff. This is a typical American. This isn't even a Christian. This is a typical American cold call. I ask them about uh, reading the Bible and 58% of Americans say they wish and they want to read the Bible more. That was like, that's like really awesome, right? I think that's pretty cool. I thought like, oh, maybe like 30%? Or maybe like 58% of people in the church? No, it's 58% of people in America. Now, what's really fascinating is this. There are 538,451 Google searches each month on this phrase, how to study the Bible. So what we see here is that there's people in our country that are thirsty. I don't want to to just read the Bible. How do I study the Bible? This is an exciting message, isn't it? How do you study the Bible, man? Like, you can just read it or just, you know, read your one little verse a day, but that's not what the Lord is asking. If he wanted us just to stare at an image, he would say, make engraven images. But he says not to make engraven images. Know me through my word. You can't know him fully until you get into his word. You want to know Jesus? You want to know his likeness? He has the very oracles of his father and himself written and preserved into even your language. But do you pick it up? Do you pick it up? Are you just scroll through your Instagram like, oh, there's a cool quote by so-and-so pastor. Oh, there's one scripture verse. No. Come on, man. The Muslims used to call the Jewish people and the Christians Am Sefer, people of the book. They used to call us that. Now they probably call us like the people of YouTube channel to listen to whatever worship song. And I believe I'm not downplaying worship. We used to be called people of the book. We were identified by the book and the very word of God. We used to be. It's like, come on, we gotta get into the word again. You know what I'm saying? So what is this word, right? So we call it Bible. Well, wasn't necessarily the original name. Bible comes from uh, the Greek word biblos, which just simply means book. So we throw a holy in front, a holy Bible, a holy book, a book that is set apart. I like it, but it's not just a book. It is the very Word of God. It's the Word The word that God has spoken to his creation. It's just unbelievable, divine covenant of love that he wants to get out to you. It's not just a book, it's the words of God. It's the very utterance of the divine. It's amazing. But it's less amazing when we live in a highly image-centric society. Give me the picture. Give me the video. Let me spend my 30 seconds and just feel a little good. I'll move on to something else. That's not the people of the book. You can't know God in 30 seconds. you got to know Him by breathing into the depth of His Word to gaze upon His beauty in His Word and in prayer and in worship. But the Word, man... So, I'm going to do what, uh, what, I, what, what I was kind of poking fun at a picture with a cool quote. Because this is where most of us get our word from now. The Bible is Jesus in print. Don't tell me you love Jesus, but you don't love his word. This right here is Jesus in print. Like, this is him. Jesus, if you could just be here, if I could just see you, if I could just know you, he's right here. You could just come to him, right here. Jesus, I waited for you for my whole life. And I feel like he's going to say in the Pearl of the White gates, I was there the whole time in my word. But I was waiting for you, looking for you. And he's like, I was sitting on the bookshelf. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. He was there from the beginning. Come on, man, the first act, the first act of the Bible is The Lord speaks and says, let there be light and there was light. All of creation happened through the speaking of a word. There's tremendous power in words. In fact, it's so powerful that God is saying that Jesus is in fact that word. And that word was always from even the beginning of time. And it's that word that created all things and brought all things into being. And it's right here. So let's get into the importance of the word. Come on, guys get fired up here. We're going to get you to be little studiers of the word. I know it's a little different, but I was like, man, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on the importance of the word. And then how do we actually study it is where we're going. All right, the importance of the Word. What we know here is this. Of course we know this. Nothing and no one can stand against the Word of God. Amen? Right? Nothing. Uh, And so if we take a look, I'd say we're going to go through a lot of Scripture verses today. Isaiah 40. You know this. Verse 7. The grass withers, the flower fades, because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's think about this for a moment. Everything that exists on planet Earth will be destroyed. Like Yosemite, Yellowstone, Olympia National Park, the Rocky Mountains. The Great Barrier Reef, all of it, a new heavens and a new earth. The only thing that remains from this world is essentially the Word. I mean, even we get a new beings, new bodies, right? I mean, the only thing that continues from this world to that world From this reality to that eternal reality is the Word of God. It's the constant. It's amazing. Another reason. Well, Okay, one we have here, nothing and no one can stand against the Word. It's always there. It's always going to be there. Another reason. Jesus resists the devil with the Word. Jesus could be like, angels, go get him. Jesus could be like, kapow. You know, like light force and spirit energy just like knock Satan down. But what does he do? Jesus is baptized in the River Jordan. It says that the Holy Spirit led him to be tempted into the desert. And for there, for 40 days, he ate and drank nothing. And in that experience in the desert, the enemy, the devil, Hasatan, the adversary himself, comes to Jesus and tempts him. Well, Satan speaking, if you are the Son of God, turn these stones and make them become bread. You guys remember that? He hasn't been eating for days. Well, Satan comes, if you're really the Son of Man or the Son of God, then just take these stones and turn them into bread. Jesus' response, it is written, man shall not live By bread alone. He doesn't like, oh, I'm not going to take the stones, let me take the trees and turn it into food. No, he says, I do not live by bread alone, for it is written. So then Satan says, well, I will give you all of the kingdoms that you can see on planet Earth if you just bow down and worship me. Jesus' response, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And so now Satan is like, okay, he takes him up to the high part of the temple and, is, and, and says, all right, if you are the Son of Man, throw yourself down from here. Tempting him, tempting him, tempting him. And Jesus' response is this, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. These are like three of the most powerful words that if you get down in your spirit, it's going to change things. Each temptation Jesus responds with, It is written. Not this is what has been done and what we've known or what we've experienced, but it is written. Ketuv, it's been written down. So it has been written, so shall it be done. Like this is the word of God, his promises. I am telling you, when you are tempted with things, when you're tempted with your own thoughts, negative thoughts, worry, anxiety, you don't know what's going on, you're confused, all this kind of stuff, it is written. And if it's written, it means it's His Word, and His Word is true. I don't know, like you're going through something and it's ridiculous and it's difficult and you don't know what's going on and you're beat up against the ropes, you can just utter the phrase, but it is written. But it says this, this is what God says about me. This is what God says about my circumstance. It is written, it is signed, sealed, delivered by the blood of Jesus. Jesus. But I'm sick. I know. But Psalms 91 says that no evil shall befall you. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Come on, you should tread over lions and serpents. And all this kind of crazy stuff. Because it's written and it says that. And it just pumps me up. But I'm not seeing this yet in my life. I know, but it's written, Amen. and so it shall be done. Amen. But but, but I haven't seen access to these things yet. How are you going to have access to things if you don't know they are things? This is very, very important. How do you know, how, how dare we even dare say, like, think that we should? Have eternal access to things if we don't even know that they are things. What do I mean by this? When you read the word and you see that there's a promise on your life, and you read it, now your brain, your spirit man is like, I am entitled to that. Amen. If you didn't read it, you wouldn't know. If you didn't know, your spirit man didn't know. Oh, I didn't know that it's possible to live a life without sin. As we re- read during worship, during Amazing Grace, Romans 6, that you're dead to sin, crucified in Christ, resurrected in life. I never knew that. Now you know it because you read it. Oh, I never knew I was, I was a son of God, and that means that you know, I'm, I'm favored by Him and I'm loved by Him. When you read it, it becomes something. So, what we need to do here is we, 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 we have to declare the word. You have to declare the word. It is written. It's not even saying it is written to Satan. A lot of times it's just saying it is written to yourself. But it is written and says this. I shall prosper you, right? I want to reconcile people. I want to reconcile families. I want to reconcile relationships. It's written. says that. And so we need to declare the word. And to declare it, you need to engage the word. You have to have the word inside of your bones, man. You need to have it like inside of your soul and your mind and your spirit. It's got to be a part of you. That's the only way you're going to be able to declare it. Because you know like you're going through something you're like let me, like, thumb through. I mean, I'll help. But Jesus, it is written. It is written. Boom, it is written. You can't touch me. It is written. Sin has been defeated. It is finished. It's written. But you gotta get it inside of you so when you come up against things, you have boom, it is written. Uh, another reason for all of this Uh, The word is an anchor for your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Right? Even becoming born again, guys, come on, there's still a sin nature. There's still a heart. There's still a temptation. There's still a desire of the flesh to do this or to do that or do this, blah, blah, blah. How do you know what is right and what is wrong? Move past that. How do you you get into a place of knowing what He has for you and His desire is for you? And what He's allowing you to have access to? You need an anchor. The anchor is the Word of God. Amen? Another reason, no matter what you're going through, man, the Word cuts through the spirit of the world. You know how many times I'm hearing junk from people? people at work, people even in my own family, and you're like, you start to believe it? Like when everyone around you believes something to be true, you now feel like the weirdo, and you're like, I must be the crazy one. And especially if those people around you are saved and are confessing. And they start talking, and they start saying things, and you're like, oh my goodness. What cuts through all of that? It is. Is written. God says this. God says this. I don't care what you're saying. God says this. But you know, no, but God says this. God says, I fixed man's days to 120 years. 120. It says in the Psalms. So what do I believe? That I am going to live to 120. No, that's not, a But it says. But it says. Yeah, yeah, no, I know there's things, right? Just, you gotta live right, you gotta eat right, you gotta exercise, you gotta do all this kind of stuff. How do you get to 120? By doing what the Word says. I'm not trying to make it like a striving thing, but you hear what I'm saying. Like, if you live a holy lifestyle, right? A whole, uh, you know what I'm saying. Like, if, if you're doing what the Lord says in your life and, 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 and eating right and, and doing all, and taking care of the temple, and all this kind of stuff, like, yeah, I should have 120 years. If I don't have 120 years, I'm going to be a little, I'm, I mean, I'll be like, why? You know, what's going on? I know, it's a little far out, but it says... It says, I want to read this again. Cuts through the spirit of the world. Hebrews 4.12, as I read earlier. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints of marrow and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That word is such an anchor, it's such a sword, it's going to cut through all of the baloney that people in society are talking about. It is unwaverable, it is unshakable, it is life, in fact, it is Jesus incarnate. If we want to study Jesus, we need to study his word. And so this just raises a very logical question. The question is, why does one not really read the word? Why does one not really maybe study the word? Now, if you don't do either, hey, reading is a good beginning. But why is it that we don't read it? Why is it that we don't study it? So I was just thinking, like, what are some possibilities? Well, one very, po- one possibility is you could be someone who just says, in, oh, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. It's mythology. It's not a real book. I'm not going to read them. I'm pretty much like the lost, right? But if you're confessing and you believe, why are we not reading it? Because you don't believe it's foolishness. It's actually, it's life. In fact, it's not just life. It's, the li- it's life itself made manifest into Jesus. It's more than life. It's Jesus made manifest. So if you think it's foolishness, I almost give you like a get out of jail free. Like, okay, it makes sense. You think it's foolishness. You don't think it's real. And so you do your little thing, but if you don't believe, it's foolishness. Speaking to the church, how come we're not studying the word? All right, well, you know, another possibility is if you're not one of the people that think it's foolishness. Maybe we, maybe we're just lazy. I'm lazy. I want to sleep in a little longer. I want to watch my TV show. Okay, just gonna be real with you. Let's just call it what it is. People don't like that anymore, right? Cuts through the flesh. If you're double-minded. Being tossed to and fro. James 1. You're probably lazy. I'm tired. I've worked hard. I don't want to do anything more. Okay. You're lazy. Just call it that. It's It's like an AA meeting. Like, ah, my name is so-and-so, I am an alcoholic, like, you gotta just, I'm, hi, my name is David Greenock, I am lazy, I am lazy, and I don't read the word, because I'm, you know, lazy, just cult, man, just diffuse the power I have better things to do, oh better than the word of Messiah? Well, I don't mean it like that okay, what are we meaning? You'd rather be doing other things because the word is going to take up some time. Man, then your priorities are off. Your priorities are off. I'm not condemning you. But let's just be free and like say things what they are. You're lazy. And your priorities are off. I could sugarcoat it. You work really hard. You have so much to do. You have so many responsibilities. No. When you're driving to work, you have this phone, and you can just like go to YouTube and type in Bible, and it'll read it to you. And there it is. Like it's almost like there's no excuse anymore, right? Like it's, there's so many ways. Another reason... I don't need it. I know enough. I went to Bible school. I've been a believer my whole life. I've read it so many times. I've done all this. I don't need it. Uh, Another one that I think is like pretty, can be pretty serious. Uh, And that is for people who say like, I don't read well. I get it. Don't read well. Have a hard time comprehending. Um, You get distracted in your mind. Excuse me. I totally get it. It's a real thing. But there are audio versions. Like right on your, you can have your phone just you know, speak it to you. I remember it was like a week where I was just listening to, uh, what was that, a John Paul Jackson? Is that the big prophet guy? He has this YouTube clip on the, the names of God. 40 minutes long of this guy who's just there with like this music in the background just reciting the words, of, the names of God. I am Jehovah. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the lion of the tribe of Judah. I am grace. I am love. And you're sitting there for 40 minutes. I'm like driving my car like, Take me down, Lord! Like, it's like, Just type in like Johnson and names of God. You're going to just gonna be like, Jackson, sorry, Jackson. Names of God. And You're gonna be like, yeah. I mean, I don't know the big names, man. You know, like, I'm like, Kind of the point, I, you know. Yeah, I'm telling you, there's, like, there's so many opportunities out there. Where was I? Yeah, so you can get an audio version. Right? Um, I remember there was a loved one recently. like, It was saying um, that they, they were a loved one of mine, they were having a hard time uh, reading as they were getting older and they, they couldn't read the Bible anymore and it was just such a heartbreak and even a large font Bible. So, you know, went to Walmart, 11 bucks. It's like an actual, like, carrier cassette thing where you could just hit... What Bible chapter? $11. You just hit it, and they just recite it to you. you know, if you don't even need a phone. It's just like this like old-school 8-track kind of thing that you carry with you. It's got a speaker. You just hit play, and it goes. Uh, fine. Yeah, that's all of that. And um, if I don't throw things off, Zeke, could you just play piano a little bit? I'm sorry, I don't know what you guys had in the store, but I'm just kind of feeling that. I just we have a little bit more to go, and I think the spirit of worship that's here will, will, will help out. I think with all of that, there's, there's still a real reason. There's, there's another, I think, more substantial reason why people uh, may not want to read the Bible and study the Bible in the church at large. And it's this. I think many of us are intimidated by it. We're intimidated by it. It's a big book. It's a lot of things that are being said. Where do you start? Where do you begin? What do you do? It's so much. It is, it is so much. But we have to then ask another question. Why are you intimidated by it? There's a couple of things here. One, it might be that you're afraid of what it's going to reveal. It will reveal truth. And many of us don't want to be true in, in truth. Ignorance is bliss. Until you get the truth. And so that's just a, a very real thing. Like You read the Word and, and it's, it's sharp. It's going to cut through all the junk of the day. It's going to cut through all the political correctness of the day. And it's going to say, this is who you are. And this is what you have to do. And that's tough. It can be tough. So, eh. Or, possibly, you don't know how to, to read it or how to study it. You don't know how to do it. We need to study the Word. To study the Word is not just to see Jesus. To study the Word is to see into Jesus' eyes and His gaze will reveal the beat of His heart. You want to know Jesus more? you got to read His Word because His Word is His heartbeat. It's a deeper place. It's it's, it's not just seeing Jesus. It's like seeing Jesus' face seeing his personality, seeing his temperament, seeing his nuance, seeing him for who he really is. couple more scripture verses. Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. That you may observe to do accordance to all that is written. For then, meaning after this, after you do this, and then, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Meditate on the word, day and night. That's not just reading. Meditation is a contemplation of the word. Meditate it, day in, day out. And then, after that, you'll be prosperous. Lord, how come I'm not prosperous? You've guaranteed. There are conditions. Meditate on his goodness. Meditate on his word. And then. That's a reason to do it. Proverbs. Chapter 4. So good. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the side of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Her being Wisdom. It says get it, get wisdom, get understanding. But you gotta do something. What do you do? You read the word. Acts 17. Well, I have to make this a little long because this might be the only time some of us get into the Word this week. Hopefully not, but let's be real. Got to make it a little long today because we may not get into the Word this week. Acts 17, verse 11. There were those, or there were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Let's start in 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, which they arrived. They went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. So this this is a group of people, the Jews of Berea. They hear the words from Paul. This it says that they studied and showed themselves approved. They, they studied the scriptures to make sure that what Paul was saying was true. How many of you listen to a preacher and then go and study it to make sure it's true? So last time you listened to one of my sermons and you wrote things down, you're like, I don't know if this is true or not. I want to make sure this is right. There's a problem that, that, that happens with all of this. And the problem is this. By only reading one singular verse, one can essentially make the Scriptures to, to say whatever they want. You can take the Scriptures and you can bend it towards your own evil desires. We, uh, we talked earlier today, uh, what Jamie did about slavery. In the book of Genesis, it says that Ham did something very grotesque towards his father Noah because of it, God curses him. Ham, it says, has darker skin. And part of the curse is, you, Ham, with darker skin, will be a servant to your brothers Japheth and Shem. It's the curse of Canaan. It is written, Ham, darker skin, shall serve his brothers. For 400 years... Christians legitimize slavery off of that verse. Well, what about other scripture verses? Like every seven years you're to free, said slaves. Or more powerful in the New Testament, the slave is my brother, my brother I shall love, I shall lay down my life for him. What about those scripture verses, Charleston? So you can take one verse and you can you can manipulate it. That's why we need to study the word. Uh, a, a little bit more uh, interesting one from modern times. First Timothy chapter two verse twelve: A woman is not to teach a man or have authority over them. First Timothy chapter two verse twelve: A woman is not to teach a man and not to have authority over them. And then I think it goes on to say, now women, you shall be quiet. You shall be silent in the church. There are a lot of ministries are going oh, Do you see women, women shouldn't be able to teach. They shouldn't have authority. Let's work backwards here. All right, so they, they, um, they can't have authority. All right. Is your boss a female? That's authority position over you? I guess you're actually in a job that is unbiblical, and you really should leave then. You don't even have to go so far. It's, it's, it's foolishness. Because you've got to read the entirety of the Bible. Which people don't do. At best, they read a psalm. Maybe a proverb. Or to a huge disgrace, they just read the New Testament. You've got to read the whole word. Romans 16. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant and deacon of the church. Phoebe, a female is a deacon in a church. Deacons have authority. The deacons in this church would be like our elders, essentially. They're people that have authority and are able to teach as well. Phoebe, female name. Philippians 4, Paul commends euodia and syntheth for for them going forth in the gospel and proclaiming the gospel. If you're proclaiming the gospel, are you teaching Of course you are. And probably the most powerful one when dealing with females in leadership would be Romans 16, 7. This This is actually a funny one. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Junia, female name in Greek. For a long time Christians were trying to say that it was a male name. It's not a male name. It's a female name. Like All Greek scholars are like, it's a female name. And what's her position in the church? Apostle. It's like going out, starting new churches, going out and like having authority, not just over people but over pastors. That's like, pfft. So what do you have to do? You have to read the entire Bible. Close it up today. How do you do this? I think if you're a beginner, and actually, no matter who you are, you should be doing it. Number one, when you engage the word, the first thing you should do is you need to pray. Holy Spirit, I'm asking for your wisdom and your discernment to enlighten these scriptures to me. You then, of course, read the scripture. I would encourage you to, to go out and buy or find on Google. They're free all over the place, like just study Bibles. So you read a verse and there'll be little explanations explaining to you some more of the nuances of what's going on. You can get it for free online. If you're a little bit more advanced, you should still pray. You should still pray, Holy Spirit, teach me. But you probably can move on to things like commentaries. where they are going to have different people who are going to give their understanding through the depths of history and the depths of language. Very important tool is the strongest concordance. I'll tell you, well, what does this word mean? Like, what is an apostle? Well, you look it up and it'll tell you, like in the Greek or in the Hebrew, right, for the word, what that word really means. The nuances, that's a little bit more advanced. And if you're like, really advanced, go to this thing called the Brown Driver's Briggs Lexicon. Which is just a whole other level. I encourage all of you guys to write this uh, this book down. Search the scriptures. This is um this is a thing where it's a three year journey. It's strictly Bible. It's just questions. Like each day you have a Bible verse, and there's specific questions that you are to, to, to that they ask, and you write. It's a very wonderful Bible tool if you want to go old school, like you know, actual paper. Search the scriptures. Very 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 nice. Like I said, for some of the more advanced people, right, there's a picture of Strong's concordance. There's the brown driver's brig, which is all crazy kind of stuff. But really, it's this for some of our beginners. When we're reading the Word, don't be intimidated by it. Read it, read it. You can ask some of us for some pointers on which chapters, but when you're reading it, you got to just, you have to go past that. You got to study it to get it deep inside of you. When you study things, it gets deeper and a part of you. And so some basic questions. What does this passage say about God? What does this passage say about human beings and me? And then how can I respond to what God has shown me? Give yourself a little homework. Like, all right, I need to be a little more tender-hearted towards people this week. You just do small little things like that. Uh, We're going to post some of these questions on our, our Facebook wall so that you can see them this week when you get into the Word. If, you're, if you want to move past some of these questions, there's a whole slew of them. I'm not going to go over all of them, but we'll have them on our Facebook page. What did you learn from this chapter? Are there truths in this chapter that may contradict other ideas that I hear in the world? Just further questions if, 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 if you're working it. And they will be posted on our Facebook website or wall so that you can get some help Because I can understand it can be intimidating. But you have to understand, why is it that you are not reading the Word? Do you think it's foolishness? Are you lazy? Do you have other better things to do? Or are you intimidated by it? Define it. Figure it out. And so actually really, really concluding, if you have your Word, if you have your Bible, please open up to Deuteronomy chapter 11 and we'll be closing out for a very different type of sermon today. We want to give you tools. We want to teach you. We want to educate you on how to learn. And so if those questions were, 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 were hitting you, please go on our Facebook family page. We'll have those questions up there. I'll help you to have like a study guide to draw deeper into the Word. It's not just to draw deep into the Word, but it's to gaze upon the heartbeat of Jesus. This is a beautiful portion of Scripture. Deut- uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11 Verse 18. Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children. Speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You guys ever like just go for a walk and just talk the word? Meditate on the Word. Teach them to your children. But when you get up, recite them. When you are walking outside and driving your car, meditate on them. Talk with your brothers and sisters about them. Continually. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Even to this day, I don't know if you've ever been to a Jewish person's home. They have something called the mezuzah. It's right on the post of the door. And it's a little cartridge, if you will. And the little cartridge is right on the post. And inside are the scriptures. And some really devout Jewish people will kiss it on the way in and kiss it on the way out. As a reminder of the word of God. It's taken from this portion of scripture. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of heaven above the earth. For if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command to you to do to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to hold fast to Him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you. And you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Every place in which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Man, we want authority in the church again. We want kingdom principles and the spreading of the kingdom on earth again. But there's a condition to it. Meditate and study my word. And then these things will come to you. Amen? Why don't we stand? Liz, I don't know if you want to get up there. Since he doesn't have a microphone, you could sing, you guys figure something out to sing. Cool. Lord, we just we just come before you and we thank you for the word. And Father, I pray that we could have hearts that are compelled to love your Word again. Or if we never loved it, that there would be a rebirth of the love of the Word. Father, I pray for our young ones that they would, they would get off the video games and get off of being the entertainment of those things and get into your Word a little bit more. Father, I pray for parents that will model that behavior to the young ones. And we're just going to have some time, guys. Everyone's just going to read the Word. Father, I pray against that spirit of intimidation. People would access this book not as some scholar, academic thing, but Lord, as a love letter from you to them. Mm. Yes, Lord. We pray for the love, love of the word, love of the word made flesh, Jesus. Father, I pray for in our, in our souls, if there needs to be a little, a little Josiah tearing the clothes in the spirit, an indignation of the Losing the word, Lord, that that we would be a people that say, I want to be like King Josiah and I want to get back into it and I have a mournful attitude. I I just want to come back to your word, oh God. I want to read your word, Lord. I don't want it to be lost. The Lord is coming to me. I forgot to say this earlier, but where was the word lost? The word was lost in the temple. The very place where it's supposed to be safeguarded. And so how on earth could the Word of God be lost in the temple? Because it got lost behind ministry. The Word of God got lost behind the functions of the temple. And so we can't have it be lost behind the functions of ministry and behind the functions of life. And so we just pray that in Jesus' name. Have a wonderful week. Hope to see you at the baseball game. Remember, there is no cafe because families are going to get together and get prepared for the game tonight. Feel free to soak in the presence of God here in the sanctuary. Have a wonderful week.